Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. Uh, today is episode, we're going to be doing episode number 70, Mass Disappearances. You know, in a lot of our prior episodes, we did homicides or disappearances, you know, involving one person, maybe two at the most. However, today we're going to look at mass disappearances. Uh, I'm staying away from the politics. Um, 69 was about politics and uh, must have pissed a lot of people off because uh, I had a few drops there in the ratings, but you know, Yeah, you don't get worried over politics because what you what you learn in life real fast is you can't fight city hall. Um, you know, I was reading through some uh, really crazy uh, disappearances, and I, I ran upon this uh, article by Marcus Loth uh, that was written uh, March twenty third, uh, eight two thousand eighteen. Uh, 10 Truly Bizarre and Chilling Cases of Mass Disappearances. And, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I never really thought too much about it. Um, some of the incidents seem explainable, others don't. Um, the first one he writes about is the uh, Anahukukunai Lake Incident. 1930, and this occurred in um, Nunavut, uh, Canada. Uh, the, the discovery of a, it was a Native American site, it was found uh, on November 1930 by fur trapper uh, Joe LaBelle. Uh, what he reported was uh, he arrived on the shore. And basically what happened was he found a completely abandoned, I'm going to say Native American because um, that's what it, what it kind of alludes to. Uh, he found that the fire pits uh, beneath the pots were still hot with cold. The food was uh, uh, basically burnt. And there was no trace of the 30-strong community. Uh, he says he searched. Each hut still contained uh, personal belongings, possessions. The community food and fish supply were full and untouched. Um, he believes it was unlikely it was that the entire village had just up and disappeared uh, at a no moment's notice, which, you know, sometimes that happened. I mean, if you, you understand the indigenous and migration routes and, you know, warring communities, even in the early 1930s, it wasn't really uncommon for stuff like this to happen, but uh, I think what caught LaBelle off was the, um, it seemed like it was immediate. <clears throat> LaBelle said he informed the uh, RCMP, which is the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, uh, they sent, sent a unit to, uh, to isolate the settlement. Uh, the officers stopped for refreshments um, at the home of a local trapper named Armin 
Laurent. Uh, he informed them of a strange uh, gleaming object that he had flown over his property several nights earlier. Uh, it had been headed in the direction of, of uh, the compound where these people were dis disappeared. Uh, upon arriving at the Inuit village, the, R the RCPM officers confirmed that it was completely abandoned. In addition, the, gra uh, the graves on the edge of the settlement were broken up, open, and um, the bodies were removed. Even more bizarre, the stone makers were neatly placed in two piles on each of oh, the stone markers neatly placed in two piles on each side of the grave, the graves, which is kind of weird. I mean, the case up to this date um, remains unsolved. I, I don't take much validity in the, the flying light. I mean, 1930s, probably highly unlikely that it was a plane. If it was, it was probably <clears throat> maybe a pontoon. Which hey, you know what? It might scare the hell out of them. They might not have even never seen one of these things, and it hits the water. You know, it's got the run, the running lights on. It hits the water, makes a lot of noise. Could have scared the shit out of them. I mean, you know, and then just disappear. Uh, then we have uh, Virginia's uh, Roanoke Colony, which uh, disappeared. The whole colony disappeared in 1587. Um, see what they have to say about this uh, basically says um, I guess what happened was additional settlers arrived at the colony and discovered that the entire settlement had been deserted now, you have to remember, back in those days, it, it could have been for any reason. I mean, um, there could have been disease. However, um, disease usually relates to fatalities. Uh, they didn't describe any um They do report that there was a lone skeleton. word uh, etched into a tree. Um, the word I can't, it looks like Croatoan, um, which is interesting because uh, a Native uh, American tribe, Croatoan tribe, lived just south of the Roanoke village, um, which might suggests that there was some type of um, maybe there was some type of uh, I don't know I don't want to say kidnapping because that, that could be what it was maybe it was just uh, maybe they, they just you see and here's a, here's a, here's the thing about it though the word had to be written now that I look at it, a lot of people thought that, you know, that the tribal name may have been etched by a tri the tribe that may have conquered or taken 
uh, calling members hostage, although you have to look at it. Quote uh, Owen was written in English. Native Americans back then didn't speak or write English. So that was written by a colony member. The lone skeleton, that's easily explainable. That could have been just somebody that passed away during the uh, trip uh, or some type of disease. Uh, they say some other series suggest that uh, White's three delay in return with the uh, supplies. The, set the settlers may have headed back to Europe because they thought the governor had abandoned them. Uh, you know what? That may have been possible. But I don't remember any mention of a sea-bearing vessel. Uh, but you know, I, would, I would think that that would maybe... Highly likely, you have to one of either two choices. They got back on the boat, and the boat sank before it got back to England, or they had attempted to migrate for whatever reason uh, to a different location where, based at that time, the vast wilderness uh, I mean, a whole settlement could pass away a couple hundred years later. Um, they would have been, the bodies obviously would have been scavenged by animals, uh, predators, and then hence covered with leaves, and um, they still could be out there somewhere. So I'm not not thinking that is a big, uh, you know, like, okay, it's a question of where do they go, but I don't think it's a really a you know, aha moment. Mary Celeste, 1872. This was a boat uh, setting sail from New York to uh, Italy in December of 1872. Uh, the Mary Celeste was found drifting aimlessly with no crew or any signs of life aboard. A hundred, uh, 740 kilometers, which I'm going to estimate. I, I don't have a breakdown of it, but I'm going to say several, I'll just kind of use a generic 700 miles off the uh, coast of the Azores. Um, you know, I, I don't know the size of the crew. Um, my speculation is maybe that... Okay, this is going to be another one of those podcasts where every five minutes uh, I'm getting interrupted, going to be getting interrupted by something I can see. So, okay, so we got the, the boat floating a couple hundred miles um, off the Azor coast. Um, <clears throat> so obviously the boat didn't sink. So my thought is, if it's a band with nobody on there, they got off the boat for some reason. I don't think they jumped in the water. I think more than likely what they probably did is they probably moored the vessel during low tide. 
and um, they were on foot. They went somewhere, and high tide came in, took the boat away. Um, and it's really interesting here because I'm going to put a little history. I, I never read this case, but I'm going to put a little, um, It says here, <clears throat> with the disappearance remaining a mystery, M.K. Jessup, another alone, uh, he wrote the book, The Case for uh, UFOs. Um, he committed suicide in 59. But he was the one <clears throat> that, uh, if anybody remembers the Philadelphia experiment, which maybe we'll get into uh, down the road. Uh, the Philadelphia experiment basically was, well, mostly it was, mostly it was a bolstered story of a lot of it, uh, misleading facts, but um, it was said that the U.S. military, Navy, whatever have you, attempted to make the USS Eldridge disappear by using an electromagnetic field. Um, they said Einstein was involved. Einstein was never involved in the Philadelphia experiment. That's false. Uh, the boat disappeared, and then it reappeared um, for a couple minutes from New York down to, I think it was North Carolina. Uh, Jessup reported that he was a... Uh, um, a, uh, on a vessel that saw it appear, disappear. And he wrote this really <clears throat> whack-ass um, book and sent it to the, uh, the Office of Navy Intelligence. And again, the book is a case file for uh, UFOs. And he just ranted and ranted and ranted. And he went on with some... It was some pretty weird shit. Um, that was the only book that he ever wrote that actually sold. Um... It's interesting because the military itself made several uh, thousand copies of it and <clears throat> distributed them to I don't know where, but they went to somewhere. Uh, you know, uh, as a matter of fact, the day that the uh, USS Eldridge was supposed to have disappeared and reappeared in North Carolina, uh, it was actually dry docked in uh, New York. Uh, there was another vessel, I can't remember off the top of my head, that they said uh, also disappeared and reappeared somewhere. That actually, that vessel was actually uh, in route to the Bahamas at that time. Uh, Jessup was never able to support any of his, really, theories. Uh, so even in this case, uh, there's a one-liner here, needless to say... Not everyone subscribed to Jessup's theories. I, I, I kind of say no one probably subscribed to his theories because they were uh, really weird. Now, here's another one. 1918, USS Cyclops. So what do we say about the USS Cyclops? Uh, mysterious disappearance didn't seem to come during battle. It was a World War uh, One. uh vessel. They, oh, <laughs> even better. Uh, they insisted it appeared to be a victim of the now famous Bermuda Triangle that has claimed ships, planes, and every other thing. It's kind of interesting because if you really 
uh, do some research on the uh, Bermuda Triangle. <clears throat> Most of the, the um, national uh, insur insur insurance association still says that for large vessels, cargo vessels, the uh, Bermuda Triangle is still the safest place to operate a vessel. Although it does have a uh, really bad problem with the, the storm systems down there and the navigation, which um, for some reason with the um, oh, what am I thinking here? Basic, basically, it goes to um, I can't think of that term. When I think about it, I'll let you know. It says in February of uh, 1918, U.S. Cyclops left uh, port in Brazil. By March 3rd, the, the, there was confirmation that the ship was off the coast of Barbados. The communication suddenly ceased and the vessel simply disappeared with over 300 crew members. Okay, it sunk. Sunk. You have to remember, the geography, or typography, really, of the Bermuda Triangle is simple. Um, but that is some deep-ass water. It's highly unlikely that the majority of the vessels and planes that have gone in there will ever be found just because of the depth. Um, it just, it's, it's a safety risk to go down that far. Uh, it's a lot, you know, financially, you know, if you go down that far, shit's going to get damaged. So, um, that's a sunken vessel. The whereabouts of the USS Cyclops and what caused it to vanish remains unknown. Uh, in addition to the Bermuda Triangle aspects of the case, other theories range from the ship being a victim of a rogue wave, which is <clears throat> possible, but then again, sunk, um, because that area is known for rogue, rogue waves. Uh, another claim of alien abductions on a massive scale, no. The aliens do not hang out in the Bermuda Triangle sucking up boats. That's just nonsense. They... they they like making crop circles. They're very artistic. Uh, the village of, uh, I can't even say this. I'm going to try. It's Horror Verde, 1923. Oh my God, this black and white picture here looks pretty damn creepy. In February of, uh, February 1923, the 600 residents of a small Brazilian village simply vanished overnight, leaving their possessions and food behind. You know, this is, this is the second case. But... You know, again, <clears throat> is this really a mystery? No. There's a lot of reasons why people simply abandon villages and towns. I mean, it's it's been done throughout the centuries. I mean, um, it could be because of some type of environmental conditioning condition that's existing at the time. Uh, it could be the fact of being invaded. It could be the fact of who knows? There could be a hundred facts, but the problem is, <clears throat> um, you know. So, so I don't. You know, when a when a large mass massive thing happens in a village, I, I really don't get too overly concerned about it. Um, it's just something that happens. You know, it's it's nothing. Nothing that hasn't occurred, I mean, you know, if you're familiar with archaeology, like I am, um, 
you got to remember, even up until the early 1900s, uh, especially areas like that that are, were not really, um, that weren't really, um, close to, uh, other villages and stuff, it was not uncommon for, you know, simply say, you know, villages to, um, disappear i mean you know it just, it just crap just like that just happened i mean you know um and you know that's probably probably the genesis of what really happened there um okay i am i am back i'm just trying to go over a few notes i found here um about this you know it's interesting because okay so we have a message that was on the a blackboard that says there is no salvation. A gun discovered nearby had been fired within the previous 24 hours. Okay, well, one gun is not going to kill 600 people. Plus, there were no bodies found. So, the gun is just a... Who the hell knows? Uh, some of the theories include the... Uh, the villagers may have migrated uh, out of the village because of a few reasons. Paranormal or alien activity? Yeah, probably not. Other people pointed to the political, uh, the change in the political landscape of uh, Brazil at the time. There was a lot of guerrilla warfare, war parties going through. Uh, they might have just not wanted to be caught in the crosshairs of the conflict. Um, and, here, and here comes our our friend Dave Pilatus, um, Storyteller 101. Uh, he says that maybe on the surface it doesn't, doesn't explain why they left so suddenly without taking their clothes and food supply. Well, you know what, nothing for nothing, but this was not uncommon for indigenous people to merely move without taking everything because things are heavy. Things are heavy, so they took what they needed and, and they beat feet, and that was it. Furthermore, there are no records of the villagers emerging into other parts of Brazil, which would would be the case if they had simply changed location. Well, that's not absolutely true at all, because um, in 1923, who the hell was going to take notes if an indigenous group moved? They're not going to take notes, or maybe they might take notes, but it wouldn't be... Um, you know, the way they processed uh, records and things like that were normally with pictures and religious symbols, religious writings. So I, I don't I don't buy Plato's um, thought on that one. Uh, that's just the Anasnazi tribe, uh, late, uh, early part of the uh, about 1200 uh, BP. <clears throat> Basically says uh, Anasnazis uh, suddenly abandoned the settlements, which included some buildings five stories and up to 800 separate rooms. Um, you know, again, okay, it looks like the office is going to be busy today. So, let's try to pick up where I just left off. Um, it's going to take me a couple minutes to go back to my notes because this thing is giving me a 
pain in the rear end, doesn't want to acknowledge too many things. Okay, so the Anastasia, the Anastasis, um, you know, they, they were basically, um, they basically occupied uh, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico, okay? And probably around the 13th century, I believe, probably. Uh, the Anastasis suddenly abandoned their settlements, which included, uh, well, a lot of reasons for that. Most of them were always resource-orientated uh, or a point-of-origin resources. Uh, when you ran, they ran out of resources in one area, they just simply got up and moved. I mean, you know, you're not going to move a couple hundred tons of rocks and take it with you. So, you know, um, very explainable. More than likely, that was just a, um, they disappeared not disappeared, they, they migrated to another area because of uh, the need for different resources. Um, and the, reason, the, need for, the need for resources, you have to understand, for Native American tribes in North America, one of the biggest factors was the environment. As environmental conditions changed, um, Resources changed, uh, water, wood, um, just a lot of things changed where um, if they didn't have these particular materials, their lifestyle as they knew it changed. So what did they do? They, when one material ran out, they migrated to another area, and, and that was it. I mean, it was no big, uh, you know, it's, everybody likes to do the aha thing, but it wasn't really an aha thing. Um it also always has in here, so they subscribe to the ancient astronomy theories. Uh, yeah, I don't think that they were sucked up by aliens. Um, that's not my thing. No one, no one was sucked up by aliens. Well, maybe some people were sucked up by aliens, but those are probably people we don't care about anyway. Um, there's several strange markings, circular lines. Um in the ruins, um, that's not uncommon because um, you know the Pueblos, the Navajos, the Hopis that were down that area also um, had a lot of ceremonies, blessing way, and all that kind of stuff. Where circular patterns were not uncommon, so I'm not going to buy that as a big. Uh, I'm not going to buy that as a, a big aha. That was just a migration based on probably lack of resources. Or you never know. They, they may have assimilated with another culture. Not uncommon. Native Americans did that all the time over the, over the decades. Um, like the, the Brewer and, and the Lamoca culture of New York. One time they were independent um, cultural groups. Richie back in, I believe it was 1929, discovered that at one point on one of the Finger Islands that they had assimilated based on similar 
projectile points uh, belonging to both groups um, being found at the same site. So I'm not going to really um, roll over with the Anastasia's disappearance. <clears throat> I'm just trying to go through and find some more really strange things. The Australian ghost ship mystery. 2007. Okay, let's let's see what this is. In uh, April 2007, Australian ghost ship uh, mystery. Uh, as the fate of the catamaran cats two, I'll spell it K A Z one one, became known. Unfolded before the world's eyes. Although the disappearance featured only three people, it is worth including here due to the relative news of the mystery as well as the details surrounding fine well let's face it is it really strange first what they fail to tell us were we missing any of the lifeboats you know the vessel was found uh, drifting drifting a little way off of the coast of uh Queensland, uh, closer inspection revealed that the vessel had been abandoned, although there were some damage to the sail, there were no other signs of a struggle. Um, why we would associate a damaged sail with a struggle, uh, not sure, that doesn't really, I think that was just like one of those, let's add some stuff in there. Um, uh, the sail would have been damaged while the boat was drifting, for example. Well, okay, but that's, doesn't, <coughs> that doesn't necessarily that mean that there was a struggle. Uh, basically, it says that the dinner table was settled as though the three were going to sit down to eat. Uh, furthermore, the craft's engine was still running. And a laptop was uh, turned on as though someone had been working on it. Uh, okay, well, that area is known for pirates. Uh, some say it was a, a hoax. Maybe it was. The author, the author has yet to determine what happened to the three experienced yachtmen. They did rule out foul play or a staged disappearance. Well, if you, if you, well, that's not necessarily true. Maybe a hoax you got rid of, but if they're all gone and they haven't shown back up, then there is foul play. So I, I think it was probably a pirate, you know, modern day pirates that probably scooped them up. Ah, another boat. That's why I won't get on sailboats. Every time you get on sailboats, it's like freaking, uh, Michael Myers coming out of the freaking lake. Uh, the Nina 2013. Uh, it seemingly vanished into thin air around in the summer of 2013. And Nina was uh, 85 years old. The yeah, I had a proud and a history behind it, including winning the New York to Spain race only a month prior. The vessel was owned by David, uh, it looks like Dice. He planned to take his prize boat from New Zealand to New, uh, Castle, Australia. Um, 
Dyson and his crew began their journey on May of 2013. However, Nina, Nina did not arrive at the destination after several days of uh, waiting, bad weather, and windy weather. Um, authorities had launched a search. And obviously, um, it wasn't found. Uh, the boat was still reported missing. It says uh, one thing that is noteworthy is the location of the disappearance is itself within the area known as the Bass Strait Triangle stretch of war that has claimed several ships since, uh, based on the history of the region. Okay, so here we go again into another triangle. Okay. Let me tell you what happens when, when people disappear in triangles on land. It's called serial killers, okay? Or, or natu naturally dangerous terrain. Those are the only two things that people, mass amounts of people die in a triangle. How do you know it's a triangle? What are you basing that off of? Where's the datum point to the triangle? See, that's all a screwed up theory. Okay, so the boat disappeared. It sunk. <clears throat> Not too strange. The damn thing sunk with everybody on it, and that's where they are. <clears throat> and how do you know it's a triangle? A triangle of what? Well, where's the datum point for the triangle? There's the triangle. Damn thing sunk. Okay, Bass Straits. I mean, what is that? I don't even know what that is. Bass Strait, Bermuda Triangle, Benningham Straits. Uh, there's another straight up there somewhere in the, where the hell is it? It's either Scotland or Ireland. I'm going to go over that one, though, on an independent moment, because that's really creepy as shit. Um, it was probably a serial killer. <clears throat> okay, here's kind of a, a really creepy one. Uh, July 29th, 1965 in uh, Gothenburg. Gothenburg where? Sweden. Uh, saw four young men Seemingly vanish into thin air. Well, why do people think people just disappear in thin air? No, that's if you're looking at them and they like just, I don't know, they get beamed up or, you know, they just go out of visual sight. I mean, there's just, people just don't, you know, vanish into thin air. Even Joan Rich tried that in 19, uh, October 24th of 61. They named the Gone Girl at that movie Gone Girl after her. If you read episode, if you look, uh, listen to episode one, and then there's another episode of the Gone Girl, really Gone that I did. The Gone Girl staged her own disappearance, so there's no Gone. Any, nobody disappears in the thin air. Um, uh, these guys were all friends. They worked together at a shipyard on a rainy July morning. They came and uh, were last sighted. Uh, as they drove a blue Volvo out of town. Okay, so we know they're in a car. We know they're together. Uh, there were reports that the men were uh, missing. Yeah, see people, you know, there's not clear sentence structure here, so i got to kind of read this a little bit. Reports that the men were missing came at different times from family members. Okay, so basically they went missing, and their family members at different times realized they were missing, okay? Perhaps because of uh, this, police were slow 
connected disappearance of the three men. Well, they shouldn't have been because they were all in the same car. Okay, so that would lead to not having to be slow. None of them had a, had a valid driver's license. Well, that's the same thing in the city I work at, why I have one of those, or insurance or anything else that you need to drive a car. Uh, which meant that at least one of them was driving illegally. Yes, they were. Although the young man had occasionally found themselves in trouble for petty crimes, imagine that, uh, they always seemed to have plenty of money. Yeah, because they robbed people, robbed their houses. We call them burglars, where I come from. They were generally regarded as good guys. No, good guys don't burglarize your house and commit petty crimes, okay? Just stop it. Just, let's not go down that dirt road. You're not going to win. Um, whether or not there's a connection, a fourth person went missing the day in Gotham, Berg. He was traveling to Liskill and went through Gotham. There he sent his family a postcard that read, All's well, don't worry. All's well, don't worry. I've been abducted. Well, that's what it should have said. Now, so just because he went through Gothenburg and he disappeared, what is the association with these other three men in the blue? Volkswagen. There is none, except for they were in the same town, which would have meant if all of them got whacked, they would have got whacked in the same town. Well, why wasn't anybody's body found? Inconclusive link, not really worth anything. Um, the case remains unsolved. Well, obviously it's unsolved because we wouldn't be reading about it if it had been solved. But it's kind of really weird. Not really much substance to it, but We'll take that as it may. Um, let me see. Marcus Loth is a writer with passion oh, interest in UFOs and the uh, ancient astronauts. On closing, before we before we close, I'm going to tell you a little experience I had. I got a, I received a call from somebody that was filming a uh, a movie on paranormal experiences. Now, I'm kind of a really a pessimist when it comes to this stuff. I, I don't really, you know, things really don't freak me out. I wrote a book, um, Creatures of Folklore, Fact or Fiction, and it goes over most of our popular urban legends and dispelling all of the, um, uh, the facts that seem to surround these things. <clears throat> and um, I received an email from a, a man, I can't remember what his name is, and he wanted to know if I wanted to be uh, involved in this this series they were uh, filming. And, you know, I had a bad experience with, um, what was it? It was a film, it was a company, a filming company out of Virginia, um, Dominion, Dominion Filming Company. Do not go near these people. They're insane. Um, they, they wanted me to sign a contract. And that I couldn't publish any information about anything that I was doing for a year and a half. Well, stupidly enough, I signed the contract and everybody was interested in Joan Rish. Uh, 
they were interested because I was the only one that actually got the 5,127-page police report, and my book pretty much smoked every uh, online uh, bullshit podcast there was about Joan Rich. The same thing with Dennis Martin. Um, so pe- people were really interested in this stuff, and I had gone back and forth, back and forth these these people for months. Now, apparently, they had no clue, really, who Joan Rich was. They weren't, you know, they didn't uh, realize that um, a very famous book, Into Thin Air, uh, was part of the uh, Evans Collected. They weren't aware that um, the movie Gone Girl was filmed after Joan Rush. I, I, they just didn't know much of anything, and you know they had they had a possibility of being the first ones to grab onto this thing and run. And you know they they basically screwed me around for a year and a half. And you know at the end of the contract, I said, "Kiss my ass, I am not doing this shit because you people are about as unprofessional as hell." Uh, wrote the book, 400-something pages, uh, cleared up a lot of theories, uh, cleared up what really happened to her, uh, did some interviews with her friends. Still, uh, episode number one of of Night Stalker still has the highest hit rating um, around for that topic. Um, so, getting back to my story. <clears throat> so, I get this email from this dude. And he wants to he wants to interview me on my thoughts on certain paranormal things. And I don't know if he read my book or not. Apparently, I don't think he did because he wouldn't have been calling me. He says to me, he says, uh, I want you to do, you know, I want to ask you a few questions, you know, with other people about, you know, uh, paranormal stuff, this, that, and the other thing. I said, yeah, 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 okay, whatever. So, I met up for lunch. Rule number one, you're better over the phone or on, you know, email. <sighs> Especially when you offend people. But So he says to me, he goes, well, what, what made you write this book? You know, it seems like it batters down everything that, you know, all of these, um, all these urban legends. I said, well, you know, here's the problem, dude. I said, you got to understand, people for centuries have had this, they have this, like, this romantic um, they have this romance with things that scare them, that go bump in the night, that scare them, that things that you know aren't believable, but they want them to be believable. You know, like Bigfoot doesn't exist, all that stuff. So, we sat down and we were going back and forth, back and forth. And he says to me, because, well, you know what? I got to ask you a question. What made you write this book? And we do have an uh, an episode of this somewhere. I think it's, uh, I don't know, maybe four or five, somewhere in that area. And I sat down and I said, you know, I don't have much time off from work. Um, And when I do, I'm usually writing or whatever I'm doing. So I sat down one day, it was raining out, I, I 
put on the TV in the living room where I grab a cup of coffee. I put on the Science Channel, thinking that, or the Discovery Channel. I was going back and forth, thinking that I was going to actually learn something educational. Well, after about 10 minutes of watching Finding Bigfoot, uh, mountain monster hunters with a bunch of fat hillbillies running around with fake guns and rolling down the hill and having all this type of paranormal, you know, bullshit going on. Um, you know, I kind of started like really having my intelligence though. And then, then the worst thing is I put on freaking ancient aliens. I told Jesus, you know what, what is going on? Ancient aliens. I mean, there's one of them dudes there, either he needs a haircut or he needs something. You know what? Just, God, you, you look like you were, you beamed up the Enterprise and when you came down, how only half of you came with it. But, I said to him, I said, after getting my intelligence insulted by these freaking dumbass TV shows, I thought I was going to actually learn something. Like some of us want to do, I said I had to write this book just to just to prove that all these people are crazy with all this horseshit. And he looks at me, and goes, "Oh, really?" I said, "Yeah, why?" He goes, "Oh, I wrote Ancient Aliens." Oh well, sorry, you shit, you shit, bullshit, you're bullshit, everybody's bullshit. So, uh, to say the least, I didn't film anything with him. But so seventy one is going to be this um, this disappearance. I. I want to say it's Scotland, and of course it's in a triangle, Scotland triangle. I'm not sure what that is yet, but as we go over the, uh, <clears throat> the stories, we will, um, it should be interesting. So um, I will see you, in episode, this is episode 70, I will see you at 71. Uh, no, we're not talking about politics anymore because I just seem to piss everybody off and they I, I lose memberships like left and right, but you know what? If you don't want to hear the truth, don't listen. <sighs> I'm not supposed to be saying that, but that's how I feel. You know what? Politics, you know, who cares about politics? You, none, none of us, none of our votes matter with anything anyway. I mean, you know, we're, we are just the infinite grain of sand in the, on the beach. So, you know, but besides that, like I said, if you're out in the woods in the dark, if you're in the in your car in the dark, you're in an alleyway in the dark or somewhere where you shouldn't be in the dark and you hear those footsteps coming up from behind you, you better just ask yourself, one, what the hell am I doing here? And yeah, what the hell are you doing here? And then you better run like hell because you don't know who's coming up from behind you. Full neck episode, I am Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. I will see you at episode number 71.